Welcome back to another episode of Sales with Aslan. I'm your host, Tom Stanfill. God, I have a good radio voice today. I feel like I have that good fake radio voice today, Tab. You and I'm do. with my co-host, who I'm talking to, my co-host, the best co-host in the business, Dr. Tab Norris. Oh, thank you, Tom. It's always a pleasure. You really do have a nice vault. You have good um, texture to your voice oh, today. Oh, nice yeah, texture. yeah. I don't yeah. know. I just very. I, I do think I could be like a good singer if I all I did was sing, talk, talk a little. Oh, bit. oh, <laughs> just talk a little bit. <laughs> okay. Anytime, anytime you have to carry a note, go up or down, I'm in trouble. Kind of a rapper. Such a maybe rapper. Yeah, you just go. So anyway, that yeah, and there I was in the jungle walking around. Yeah, (laughs) I can see that. I think we've lost all of our (laughs) listeners and our sponsors. And by the way, don't don't forget to check out our sponsors. We love our sponsors. So so buy stuff from our sponsors. Uh, Uh, Tab, Tab. I know we always say we're excited about about our guest, and sometimes we mean it. And sometimes, no, I think we're always excited. About we it. are always, we wouldn't have yeah, them if we weren't excited. We're excited about some guests, which they, you know, we're not going to go down our, our, the list of all guests, but, but um, I have to admit, I was a little surprised at the quality of this podcast. Well, I mean, it's when you, because we know this guest so well, mm-hmm. I mean, we've known him since he was seven, I think, you know, yeah, so, <laughs> it so feels like about, that. We had John Sequera on. That's what this podcast is. is we invited John Sequera on the show. John was our top producer. Yeah. Multi-million dollar deals for, uh, I guess, almost 10 years with his tab. Yep. He had a That's little right. stint, you know, where he left us and came came right back because we loved John. Saw the light. Loves us. Yeah. But he left us, um, I think, for good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after the podcast, I'm like, I don't think he's coming no, back. No, he's definitely not coming back. <laughs> he left us to start a change management and coaching firm, but focused on the, you know, the companies that we serve, sales organizations. Um, which I was a little surprised to learn came out of his own journey, which I, mm. I'm aware of his personal journey. You know, he was a survivor of 9-11, really touted as a hero because of the work that he did carrying someone in a wheelchair down 80-something floors. I mean, he's been featured on Discovery Channel, on Oprah Winfrey, Good Morning America. I mean, he, he, he has been, you know— widely recognized wrote a book about it and of course i know that story that happened obviously a long time ago but i didn't understand the effect it had on his performance and is how at aslan even though he was the top performer how he was saying his emotional state and his ability to manage his emotions and show up as his best self was keeping him from operating at an even higher level Oh, yeah. And it was hard. Very surprised by that. And he was battling things internally that we never saw. And that's what you don't realize. Like he was carrying weights and he had chains on. You know, I mean, it was almost like he was fighting through those burdens. And and it just shows you how amazing he is that he was able to do that and perform well anyway. Yeah, it was it was. um, And I got to tell you, I was a little skeptical when I heard about, hey, we're going to talk about self-regulation and how your fear (laughs) can inhibit your performance and yada yada yep. yada and it's just uh, you know and as a matter of fact he even mentioned to me at one point when he was starting his kind of moving in this direction hey you know if you ever want support or help you know let me know and i'm like sure yeah right <laughs> i'm good <laughs> yeah i'm like because i didn't really know what it was because it just sounded yeah. so conceptual and i felt i have pretty high awareness of my emotional state and have tools to manage that etc but i could tell you 
what he talked about on this podcast is life changing. And it, yes. I think it, I think it is really, he's really focused on something that really does unlock the performance. And I don't think people really understand or aware of how they feel, what's locking them up, how fear plays a role, emotions play a role, our past plays a role and keeps us from operating at our highest level. Do you agree with that? Did you, did totally. you come away with the same? hundred percent. I mean, and the, the, the irony is, is I've been working through some of this you know, personally on my, on my own. Yeah. And it was so validating to hear. I've already been using it. I yeah. mean, a lot of these, these tools, even sharing with my wife, just working through some things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a, it, this was what, I mean, I don't, I hate to say the favorite, but this was one of my was, big takeaway a, podcasts. And he's just so good at communicating. So you, you can't, you just gonna, you guys are going to love this podcast. And I have to say, I had a presentation right after this podcast, right after this uh, and I went from kind of nervous and a little, you know, like my brain's not firing because I'm, you know, you know, when you get nervous and we talked about this on the podcast, you get nervous, uh, you know, your brain doesn't work. Like, yep. And that's why I have to super prepare for when I'm giving a talk because I'm going to be nervous standing in front of 800 people. And my brain's not going to work. So I have to almost get to a point where I memorize it because I don't know what my brain's going to do. And I'm not free and, and I'm not present, which keeps you from really performing. And then right after we talked about all the things that he unpacked just in this first episode, because we are going to, this is a two-part episode. And in this first episode, he just kind of lays out the importance of it and the first step of becoming our best self and getting in the, the best emotional state. And some people call it flow. You know, you're in your athletes. I think they call it flow. Mm -hmm. You know, you just are operating at highest level of performance. So, um, I saw it. I, I firsthand applied it right after this podcast, and it completely changed my meeting. Excellent. So, hope you guys are going to enjoy. This is part one, and make sure you don't miss part two of this episode with Sales with Aslan and John Sequera. John Sequera, great to see your mug again. It's been it's been too. Although we did have dinner, we did have dinner. I mean, what a couple of weeks ago, but we, we but, did. But we used to do this every week, and now we do it every six months, which is just it's just a shame. I well, it's been much longer <laughs> for me since I've seen that mug. That's true. And That's I true. I had a little tear when I first saw him. Look, I think we're I think we're focusing too much on the negative of the time that's passed and not celebrating. <laughs> that we're here together. We're all, yeah, we're here together, and this feels this feels we're good. Back. Okay, that's good. fine. Okay, back. you're right. Why don't we Why don't we just leave the back? You know, you left us. Okay, but now you're back, and then we're just going to focus on the back. That's it. You're yeah. like the kid that moved away, and you're you know, and we're like we're focusing on you moved to California, uh, where you know, and you're like oh, I came home. I came. That's home. it. Yeah, it's whatever the opposite. There's a there's another time bound version of uh, "Don't be sad, it's over. Be happy that it happened." Oh, but I guess okay. it's right. That's good. It's it a is. Hallmark card, and it it's, I have to I have to workshop that. This is coming kind of to my head. Uh, no, man, I'm really I am honestly excited about. I mean, we caught up over dinner. Super excited about what you're doing and the value you're bringing organizations that are sales organizations and not only just and you can talk more about this not just sales organizations but i guess almost any organization who's navigating change who needs to to you know improve performance how do they unlock the desire to do that how do they remove barriers what support leaders need how do they, how do we coach them i mean just tell us about what you're seeing what you're doing and how um and how you're really helping organizations 
Yeah, uh, I love it. I, you know, it might make sense to back into how how I got here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, love my time uh, at Aslan. Love you guys as always. That's why that's why we're here. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, a material, uh, the data point is my experience uh, in the trade towers, nine eleven. Yeah. Uh, where in in this really beautiful twist of fate. You and I met, yeah. Tab, I think you know this. Tom oh, yeah. and I met the Thursday before 9-11. Yeah. And so 9-11 happened. Uh the 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 long story short was my boss and I at the time happened upon and and uh, were able to help a, a woman who was a wheelchair user out of the building um that we met on the 68th floor, and we all got out of the building five minutes before it collapsed. Mm-hmm. And so that was part of my life. And then I just went back to work and was just Kind of like, doing your regular sales job. Okay, <laughs> I'll just go back to work. I'll yeah. just, yeah. I'll just go back. Took a to couple work. days off. Yeah, and now I'm back to work. And this experience that I we would be on talk shows like Good Morning America and Oprah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no model for what then I would do with that information afterwards. Yeah. And so uh, I would do some speaking at nonprofits and churches, but in terms of there were suggestions about being a keynote speaker, and it felt, it felt like it was. Uh, kind of taking advantage of a very sacred story to make that yeah. in any part yeah. of in any way a profession. And so I just went back to normal work and yeah. obviously normal work, worked with Aslan, loved my time there, spent some time, uh, went back to business school. And um, and so all was well. Well, then the pandemic hits <laughs> and our clients. So I've spending time with Aslan, you know, driving revenue and then doing a lot of the work, doing consulting, doing coaching with our clients. And two separate clients reached out to me during the pandemic and said, hey, our teams are freaking out. Mm. And we see parallels between what we were all feeling in the aftermath of 9-11 and what we're feeling in the pandemic. There's confusion. Mm. Our business is turned upside down. We don't know which way is up. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Can you talk to them? I said, yeah, sure. Yeah. And so I did that. And to my shock, in delight, they got value out of it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, Yeah, because if you can navigate 9-11, I mean, you can you can really yeah. navigate anything. That was a little, that's ma- yeah, major change and turmoil and, yeah. And I know you glossed over that story, but that, I mean, that was, which I understand, but I mean, that was, that was not an easy thing. That was not an easy. Sure. Event well, and- the process. That's it's, it's trauma with the big T. Trauma with a big T and uh, trauma with a long tail with yeah. maybe a big T. That's another T. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just keep uh, running with it. Where, two T's. Oh, we could turn that into something. Well, yeah. where the real story was not was not how I got right after, like immediately after 9-11. Yeah. It was really how I would manage that experience and the trauma that would rear its head uh, really would w- manifest professionally. Yeah. And there were times where I would take professional failures really hard, or I would take mm-hmm. professional opportunities as these do or die instances, because I had this one experience, I had a high watermark of mm-hmm. when it matters for you to perform, you go all out. And there were times where I would go a little too all out and I would spin mm-hmm. myself out. And yeah. that was, that was the, um, the dimension professionally that I felt was of value to other professionals to say, hey, 
I know you are getting super attached to the success that is in front of you and you are just, you're scraping at it and you're grinding or you're taking any barriers as you know, these catastrophes and they're spinning you out. And so here's how you get a little more level set and come to find out that's what really the core of what had historically been called executive coaching, mm-hmm. but now it's just called coaching. Mm-hmm. That's what that was really meant to, to address, helping people to kind of quiet the waters, quiet the, 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 the internal temper tantrum we all throw when we mm-hmm. are feeling out of balance and how to tamp that down so that you can clearly assess what's the next right thing to do. Where can you be a service? And then do that with, with kind of trust without worrying about what you get out of it, without kind of this idea of reciprocity, but just moving ahead and continuing that cycle to just find what the next right thing is to do. Mm. Yeah. And I, 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 to those, I, I, I'm going to ask this as a question. I think that the people who would think, Oh yeah, woo woo that's real touchy feely i gotta hit a number how's this related to being successful as a leader because i mean i got a quarterly number i gotta hit yeah i gotta feed my family and you're you're gonna talk about how do i feel more comfortable and how do i address fear and yeah you know which by the way i believe that's critical because it's what not addressing that is what keeps you from being you know performing but yeah but is that Talk a little bit about that and and why that's so important. Yeah, well, and I'll, how that related to you being successful because you were super successful, but it also sounds like it was keeping you from being even more successful, or it was leading to burnout. It was taking a for, toll, right? For sure. So, uh, two two points to that, which mm-hmm. directly relate to my experience with Aslan or mm-hmm. at Aslan. Um, one. Uh, when we when we get when we would get drawn into projects, it mm-hmm. was you know by and large because a sales organization, customer facing organization wanted to be better at hitting their goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to get more clients. We're trying to keep more clients. We're trying to grow more grow more clients. Great, and we would work with these key stakeholders to craft a program and craft an initiative, and it would all make sense. And we'd have these statements of work and a project plan, and it made logical sense. Here are the barriers. Here's the training. Here's what will play out. And here's what they need to learn. And then we would get to these early deployments. And if we hadn't done this really critical element of change management, where we made sure that key, not just senior leaders, but your mid-level leaders, frontline leaders, Mm -hmm. even a mix of some of the individual contributors were bought in, the project will be way less successful. Yeah, and, right. and so that's when I started seeing that, gosh, this logical path of here's your problem. We brought in help to, to, to your business you. problem. You have a business problem. Yep. We're here to solve the business problem. And it would make perfect sense. And people would just not want to do it sometimes for no other reason. <laughs> not that they didn't understand, yeah. not that it was too hard, not that it was too complex. They just didn't want to. Change is change. Yeah. It's just yeah. change is not what people like. It, nobody likes change, <laughs> particularly change that they've not planned. Right? Yeah, most people, most people don't even really like change that they've planned. They think they want to change <laughs> and, they get in it, and they don't even want to like, oh, like, no. I don't want this. I'm going to go back to what it used <laughs> yeah, to be. Yeah. I started a whole 30 diet two days ago and I'm like, 
And I'm not really, do I really want to do that? <laughs> That's a lot of change. I planned it. I'm like, no I got to get healthier. My cholesterol is going 30. up three days in. I'm like, do I really, I don't know if I really want to do this. <laughs> yeah. So, so we would see that. Right. And I know you, the three of us would see this. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, mm-hmm. plan makes sense. It is sound. And then it would hit the, it would hit the streets and people just throw up on it sometimes. You're like, <laughs> yeah. what is going on? And it was highly emotional. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we wouldn't figure that out until the the follow-up coaching mm-hmm. so we shifted yeah. strategy at aslan i don't know when this was maybe 10 or so years ago and said hey that upfront change management piece is particularly important there is manager acceptance and we really have to make sure that yeah. that key influencers right. in the organization are bought in and how do we drive desire yeah and a lot of those conversations were not vocationally oriented mm-hmm. they were like they were oriented on What's the strain you feel? How, what does it feel like when you have to communicate this other change to your team and they don't want to shift and you don't even want to shift? So we saw that. And by the way, Tab, you said, I'm curious about what you're seeing. Yeah. That's, that's what we're seeing. It is that, that it is that, mm. it is that simple, but not easy, but it is that simple. Organizations I work with will have a plan. They build out this plan in the, you know, in the executive suite. And it's based on sound analysis. It's logical if-then statements. And then they roll it out to the team and they say, hey, we have the answer. You're welcome. And the team says, I don't want your answer because that's not my answer and I don't want to do it. Yeah. And so that's that's what that's what I'm helping with is oftentimes carrying water for why this is important and oftentimes uncovering mm-hmm. this uh, what had historically been buried, this level of tension mm-hmm. between the people that are being asked to do something and mm. the people who are asking them, right? There's all types of resentment that comes in with, you know, why do you get to make the decision? And you made a decision a year ago and I didn't like that and I wasn't comfortable with it. And a lot of it is unearthing, hey, is that what you're blocked by? Because this plan is actually not that bad of a plan. Right. So you do you play? It sounds like you play a liaison oftentimes between the the field and then yeah. senior leadership. You know, just you know, because we've seen that so many times. Silos happen, right? Yeah. So it's like, yes, here we are. We're great. And we're going, and of course, I'll go do it, young people. And then they're still wondering why it's not happening. And so you're kind of playing that role, which I think is very valuable. I could I totally see that. I mean, I, I like to think it's valuable. I mean, the, the a scenario uh, that I'll bring up for that is uh, a person who ran head of sales for the entire country, about 400 salespeople. Uh, they had gone through a lot of change and he wanted to institute a coaching culture mm-hmm. with his leaders because he said, gosh, that's going to be the path to us mm-hmm. smoothing out this change. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I've, I've seen that a million times. I got it. And he said, you know, they, they just, everybody just needs to get behind it and, you know, move past what used to be to what is. I'm like, ah, I've heard that story before. Yeah. Well, then I went and interviewed some of these key leaders and found out that there was more to this story than had been revealed to me. They were frustrated with how the change had happened. There have been some comp shifts that were that were still kind of stinging the sales organization. There were some shifts on what they could sell now and what they couldn't sell now. And that was how they had all figured out how they were going to back into their number. And I said, oh, this is not just about guys get, a, get excited about the new plan. We might need to dredge up and, and unpack some of this residue that's built up. And mm-hmm. so before we ran a session, so usually I'll do a kickoff session 
that looks a lot like a workshop. It's around self-regulation for the leaders and then using that model to help them guide their people through change, which which is a coaching model. Mm-hmm. But before we did that, we had a basically a sharing session. It was corporate family therapy to say, <laughs> hey, I've heard from you guys. And the, the, key, conver- the, the key concerns fit into t- these two key categories. And those categories were loss of autonomy mm-hmm. and being asked to do things that didn't feel mission critical from all these cross-functional partners. So basically they're like, I'm getting all this busy work dumped on my desk that doesn't help me hit my number. It doesn't help my people hit my number. Meanwhile, the things I used to be able to decide on my own, those decisions are being taken out of my hand and being being decided at a central location. I was like, guess what? If that happened to me, I'd be annoyed also. Mm -hmm. So Here's what I know from leadership. And I don't think you guys are that far apart. And so we facilitated, I facilitated a conversation where these key leaders brought up, hey, here's how this loss of autonomy or this busy work hits me. And here's what I want to know. And here's how I would change. And we had the key leader who ran the country and then the person who ran all the East region respond to it. And the responses were normal. We're, we're appropriate. We're reasonable. And just hearing, just having all these people. Having them have come together and like the corporate family therapy and hear both sides and basically be able to take the trip with each, each member of the family. They start to go, Oh, we're seeing both sides. Yeah. Without each, without all of the, you know, these, these mid-level mid and senior level leaders, kind of going off to the side and and having their own rumor mill spilled out. Uh, it was like, yeah, hey, we are yeah. all hearing the same thing at the same time. You can all yeah. pressure test this and hear. So we did that. And then we w- went through the, the kickoff workshop and then had you know, individual coaching sessions with these people that were highly, com- that were all confidential, open-ended, mm-hmm. but were really around how are you processing this and what what's in your way? Uh, some were highly strict, like vocationally oriented. One person was entering into a, a nascent market and he had come from a, a a pretty mature market and he was trying to run the same motion with his team that he had run in a mature market in a nascent market. So, hey, here's a shift to that. So that ended up being a vocationally specific uh, you know, through line of our conversations. Somebody else was just saying, I, I just don't have enough time to do all these things and I have my own kids and I have my team and they're, they're relying on me. And I just am so mad (laughs) from this last three years and I just can't get out of my own way. And so the conversation was, that's the emotional side. Yeah. Mm. And we, we worked through that. And the upshot was he's towards the end of our, um, our sessions together said, Hey, my, my team is getting, the version of me now that they deserve because I got out of my own way and I see the difference in them. And, uh, and he had some material ROI impact. I mean, to the tune of millions of dollars at a, mm. at a really nice 30 ish, 35% margin. So it's, this is, this is the marriage of there's some vocational, there's some emotional, but whatever is blocking an individual who has to perform, like that's important because if you don't move that, they can't get to where they want to go. So how does an organization, John, that's so large, like mm. you described this, I can, it seems manageable. I'm having family therapy. I'm picturing five people in a room. I'm mm-hmm. picturing, you know, we can all talk through this, even though you said it's a 
400 person organization that might be i'm thinking 20 people you know but yeah. that's pretty sizable but but if i'm thinking i've got you know like i was with a client recently and i'm talking to somebody out of from scotland and you know they're like this is we got purchased and now we're part of this big multi-billion dollar company and they had some of the same concern that you're sharing there mm -hmm. everybody's putting everything on my plate and we got all these things going on i can't do my job yeah right and so he's starting you could see his emotional state be moving towards the negative he's starting to become unreceptive to the leadership and you know he's 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 losing buy-in i guess engagement mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so and and maybe it's just about breaking it down into smaller groups but how do you how can we think about it organizationally mm -hmm. yeah i mean the simplest answer is start at the top okay. as as as, mm -hmm. as top as you can get and that's yeah. you know that's the big caveat who's the chain who's the champion who believes in this who feels the pain of uh, who feels the pain of having decided on a path forward that has been derived from intense, thoughtful analysis mm -hmm. and says, I have the answer. Now I need to get everybody to do it. And just like the software program they install just doesn't work. Yeah. Like, why doesn't this work? What is happening here? And mm -hmm. so as high as you can get to the, and closest to the person who's deciding something, implementing it, owns the problem or owns the success of this plan working well and seeing that it's not working, that's where you start. And it's with that person and their key lieutenants. And yeah. then, and then you trickle it down because that will be, you know, you've got to be top down. It's yeah. got to be top down. And the, the top person, again, as top as you can get needs to demonstrate these capabilities. They themselves need to show up as level set. They, which means they themselves have to navigate through self-regulation. Mm -hmm. right? They're feeling their own fear. They're feeling their own uh, their own opportunity that is appealing, that they want, that's going to bring them something that they think they want mm -hmm. as something that, that is worthy of grasping at. Or they see that opportunity as maybe being at risk. And so they resist. And oftentimes you see these key leaders that are not showing up as themselves and it, that, that emotion and the way they interact with their teams, as you, as you, I'm sure, you know, it trickles down. So it starts yeah. with, are you okay now? Let's oftentimes there's coaching with that person and then coaching their people, uh, you know, underneath them and teaching all of them to multiply that effort. And then you go down as, as mm -hmm. far as they're willing to go. That's an interesting point you bring up. Is that, yeah you know you said you i know about the self-regulation how my my emotional state affects my team but i actually don't think we know that like i don't really think that that we i mean i know the concept i think that's what you mean tom you understand what i'm saying yes but, yes, but yes what's also true is i really don't know my, how my emotional state affects the team like we had a meeting a leadership meeting recently and tab and somebody else on the team said you just feel so much lighter Mm. It was like the, and it was nothing you said. It was a complete emotional yeah. thing. That's it, awesome. So true. Yeah, but I, I, if you say, if you would have said, well, Tom, six months ago, Tom, do you feel like you're communicating the opposite of that? <laughs> Whatever that would be, heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I would have said, Tom, are you saying I gained weight, Tab? I mean, that's <laughs> uh, I would have said, I would have you to said, Tom, how? What was the difference between those two meetings? I said that's about the same. 
you know, I would have, but I don't know what I'm translating, transferring, I guess, onto the team, my emotional state. So I love this idea. Mm. I'd love you to talk a little bit about, and Tab, I want to let you get your questions in here because I'm, you know, I, I'm, I can talk the air, but um, I want to hear about like the individual performer too. Like I'm, I'm the manager, right? And I'm, I'm in the middle and I've got my team because I hear this all the time. And I'm mm -hmm. in this organization, even if it's smaller, but I, these things are happening to me outside of my team. Yeah. And my, my response to that person is simply like, just you can control the, the your culture of your team. Mm -hmm. Like you can, now I'm not saying they don't need more clarity and they need, don't need alignment and they don't need direction and they don't need support. But the reality is they're in that role. They can have, they need to work on themselves. They can control. It's what you can control. Mm -hmm. You can control your emotional state. You can control how you lead, manage, and coach. You can control the, the, the culture. So talk to that person about well, how they should be thinking about it and how do they manage those emotions? Because I'm, I'm, I love hearing what you've learned there. Yeah, well, and thanks for, thanks for that direction because I started this with saying kind of, you know, how I got here, uh, I would answer it in two dimensions. One was the projects we would deploy and seeing where there were sticking points that were highly, if not yeah. exclusively emotional. Yeah. The other point of, uh, the second dimension that relates to the question you just asked was my experience. Yeah. So here, if you, you got feedback, I'll, I'll put it back to you. You just got feedback that in a leadership meeting, you showed up lighter. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that would imply that before you were not showing up light and maybe you were not showing up as your best self. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I experienced. We, you know, I've spent the majority of my career teaching people how to be other centered. Yeah. Right. Teaching people that uh, we are most fulfilled when we serve others, teaching people how to show up as other centered. And we've positioned it uh, because we're, you know, working with sales organizations in a very clear, if then relationship and incentive structure, mm -hmm. when you are other centered, uh, yes, you're fulfilled, but other people will gravitate towards you. You will become magnetic and more influential. And so you know, that's what most people would anchor to is the incentive structure. The, the If I do this, then things will work better for me. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. But there's a payoff. There's a financial payoff. There's a payoff. Um, well, I was teaching that. And there were times where when I'm stressed out, I couldn't find my way there. Mm, yeah. Mm. Right. So here's me touting mm. on stage, on podcasts, in training, selling people, I'm paying us money to teach their people how to be other centered. And when things were hitting my windshield, I couldn't find it. Mm -hmm. And so I would I would start getting frustrated with myself. Right. Mm -hmm. I know inside and out how to navigate an organization and mm -hmm. and pick their brains and figure out how to get them to be other centered. Why can't I do it myself? And so I went on a quest really when I started being asked to speak to people on self-regulation, like, well, I, I better fix myself first. And what came out of that was research in and spending time with thought leaders and positive psychology, emotional intelligence, ancient wisdom. Uh, and it really packaged into a, you know, really had set a, a category of common themes that I said, mm -hmm. oh, here's a sequence. Yes, you should serve, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Here's what stops you from serving when you're feeling stressed. You are freaking out. 
So what is the way to, number one, recognize when you're freaking out and find a path out of it? And the clearest answer, it's very simple, is gratitude. Wow. Mm. And I happened upon this. Is this with, what you mean by, I just want to make sure, because you keep saying self-regulation, which I'm thinking of as metacognition, self-awareness, managing your emotions. Talk a, is that, I just want you to connect to what you're saying related to that. Cause in, yeah. Solution to the self-regulation. Yeah. So, you know, if we position the concept of being other centered mm -hmm. in a, in an outside of Aslan context, that's just service to others versus service right. to self. The philosophy. The philosophy, the like system. everyone knows you get, you know, uh, it's better to give than receive. Mm -hmm. uh, the best way to have a friend is to be a friend. Zig Ziglar, you can get anything you want in life. You help other people get like, here, like we got attractive it. when you're focused on others. Yeah. It's every, it's in all the Hallmark movies. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Um, does everybody do that? They know it, but does everybody do that? No. Yeah. Why? It's because life gets in the way. Yeah. Our survival instinct. Fear gets in the way, yeah. Yes. Fear gets in the way. Life is hitting us. And when you're doing that, you can't think clearly. And the way I saw this show up is uh, we were vacationing with some friends who had young kids. And um, one of the one of the kids was throwing a temper tantrum. And the, the mother said, instead of yelling at the kid, uh, hey, can you name three things you're grateful for right now? I said, what is this hippie sorcery nonsense? What, are you doing? what is this hippie sorcery? <laughs> and she explained to me that what is happening here? Were what is going on? Anybody this... eating gummies at this point? That's exactly, nobody was eating gummies at that point. But I was thinking, like, what is what is, what are you doing here? She said, look, we've we've visited a child psychologist and they have advocated for this well-worn approach of instead of penalizing a child when they're throwing a temper tantrum, have them anchor on what they're most grateful for because a temper tantrum is the manifestation, it's the expression for this child who doesn't have uh, sophisticated communication skills mm -hmm. that their needs aren't being met. I don't mm -hmm. feel safe. I don't feel like I'm being taken care of. Mm -hmm. And that hit me to say, gosh, does that work with adults? And I answered my own question <laughs> shortly after I did start doing research because that's what we teach in customer service training. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Someone calls up angry customer. Yes, you could solve the problem, mm -hmm. but solving the problem isn't, isn't getting that customer uh, satisfied or, or happy. First, you've got to take the temperature down. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we're facing strain, where our temperature is heightened, our survival instincts are kicking up, mm -hmm. you know, our adrenaline, our cortisol levels, uh, literally come to find out through research, our vision and hearing is impacted. It gets more narrow. You don't see, you can't see the forest for the trees. You only see your problem and your obsession with getting it fixed. Mm -hmm. And so when we are that focused on our problem, in other words, ourselves, yeah, right. we're doing that because we don't think anyone else is going to save us. And so we keep grasping. And what happens is when we keep trying to save ourselves, we actually separate. We make the problem worse. Mm. We're not connected to other people. We're not becoming, we're, we're not, certainly not magnetic. We're combative yeah. and we're, and we're not happy. So first step I said was, oh, how do I address my internal temper tantrum. Mm. And that's where I started doing research in the merits of gratitude. People who journal, who express gratitude on a regular basis, 
reduce their feelings of stress and their literal expression of stress hormones by around 30 percent wow that is this is just so true it, one of the things that just before you move forward Please. but i want to you mentioned all the negatives it also your brain doesn't work yeah your executive like you, function you, you get, is you start get your executive function your neural static yes like when i'm when i become self-centered which is driven by fear like which you really explaining my brain stops working like yeah. all those other things happen. Like I'm also sending messages. My brain actually quits working. Like that's not a good thing when you want to perform. Yeah. Like when I'm free and I'm like the way I think about it is light, free, other centered as we talk about it. I'm just, I, the words flow. Yeah. It's it, like the thing I want to say, I say. I'm more more charismatic because i'm maybe more funny or like mm -hmm. because when i'm most at stress it's when my uh, yeah so it's, i love this so keep going so the so solution is so really gratitude it's that simple like, it's all right the podcast is over tab let's just let's just, <laughs> yeah. just so, do it. let's all go let's be just, grateful and enjoy our weekend so here's the thing wait wait, wait hold on are we going to go out of business because everybody's just go <laughs> we got it yeah it's super it's simple grateful. all you have to do is say it because guess what no one's ever said that before these are base these are universal concepts but here's what here's what happens mm -hmm. here's what happened to me i had heard about gratitude grateful yeah. uh a few reasons why that didn't resonate with me uh one was i usually heard it when i was a child Mm -hmm. And it was usually meant to discipline me. Like you're not being grateful. It was levied mm -hmm. at me as if it was, if it were a character flaw. Yeah. Right. Which you don't really respond. When you're like, you're not good enough. Yeah. You should be more grateful. Well, I, well, guess what? Screw you. I'm not being grateful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing was it felt often like it was like, a, it was a distraction from my problem. Yeah. Like, no, I don't, I know. Think about good thoughts, but I have, a I would be grateful if I solved this problem. Yeah, guess what? It'd be really cool if this were out of my face. Um, and so uh, so my relationship to gratitude, digging into it, was really about saying when you are feeling stress, don't it's it's not a it's not a character flaw, like there's something wrong with you for for not being grateful. It is an exercise. We yeah. are not wired, it's not your fault. Yeah. Our wiring, our evolutionarily our evolutionary wiring is meant for us to survive, to keep our genetic material on this planet in what had historically been a, a resource scarce and threat heavy environment. Yeah. So this is- You need to be millions. problem focused and you need to be, your reptilian brain needs to be on high alert. Got to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But those because same- Physically we work better. That's it. If physically, when you're in a bad place, stressed mm -hmm. out, whatever, your physical body actually performs at a higher level. In, in short spurts, in, in short, short spurts, spurts. Of course, yeah. yeah. But we're uh, spending. We don't when the, when the tiger comes hand. into the cave tab. Yeah, like that instant right there. But like that hanging right out with a tiger over no. time. If you're gonna marry, yeah, you get married to the tiger. <laughs> wow, that's getting deep. Oh, I know. Yeah. We're deep people. But, uh, but that, so I'd heard about that before, but really digging into it, saying this isn't a character flaw. And it's not about distracting yourself. It's not about ignoring the problem. It's about assessing the problem and saying, hey, even in the context of this problem, even in the context of this, the context of this reorganization, my job being threatened, my goal being unable to be met, even in the context of that experience, let me find a place to be grateful. 
that starts tamping down even that exercise that exercise starts getting you to point to hey all the good things that are going on which represents this foundation for development so you're sound enough to move into servant tab i think this is a great place to hit pause because yep. this if we go further we're going to spend way too much time and i want to spend the time on all all the things that john wants to share around how to manage our emotions and show up as our best self but we've uncovered step one yes i i agree let's stop right here because we can go i mean i got plenty i don't know about you i have plenty i can go work on just from this first this first big step beautiful so thanks for joining us for another episode of sales with aslan as always we love to hear back from you and and don't forget to show up for part two Mm -hmm.